Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from lead pastor Jamie Miller. We started this little series, Follow Jesus, together, and we're talking about the words for the year. Um, Last week, we talked about ordering your private world. And I encourage you, uh, not because I'm a great preacher, but because it's an important message to order your private world. Go back and listen to that if you haven't had a chance to do that. And uh, we are talking about what's most important privately. And today we're going to take it to the next level and talk about that together. But we talked about also how our life is like a garden. And we have to cultivate. We have to get weeds out. There's stuff that needs to go, and there's stuff that needs to grow right? And I've already heard just some great conversations coming out of life groups, people talking about uh, the, the different words. Listen, listen, we're listening, we're paying attention to the Lord. Surrender, first love, and the unity of the Spirit, the movement word, unity of the Spirit, and letting go of the oars. And what does that mean in our lives, to let go of the oars and let the Lord take control? Lord, take over. Lord, have your way. Christopher was singing it right there. Lord, take over take over. That's our heart's cry. Lord, have your way in us. And practically, how do we order our lives to Jesus? And we talked about the the pickle jar illustration. Go ahead and flash that up. And and, uh, I don't know if that's pickle jar, but a jar illustration. And um, so on the left is when you just get your jar filled up with pea gravel and sand. You can't get the big rocks that you really want in the jar. That's the same amount of stuff in both pictures. But if you put the big rocks in the jar first, your relationship with God, your relationship with others in the God's family and, and, and different priorities like that, then you can still get everything in there and the things that aren't as important find the spot where, they're actually, where they actually should be is not as important and not first but the big rocks are first. Make sense? Okay. So, uh, yeah, and just hearing the testimonies about how we're wrestling, and it is, you have to work through this. It's not, it's not easy. It's not just, oh, I, you know, it's, you have to have conversation, and you talk about things. You write things down. What needs to go? What needs to grow? And we're going to do more of that today. What's, mo- what's most important? Jesus was asked that question. What's most important? What's the most important commandment? And he says, the most important one is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, yeah, as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. Shema, Israel, Adonai, Eloheinu, Adonai, Echad. Shema. Listen. What's got our attention? That's what the Lord... That, like, it, it's amazing to me. Kim and I listened to this old message from uh, a few years ago from Don Fento. He was speaking in Abilene uh, at a dear friend's church near Beltway Park. And uh, uh, he was speaking and, and just that emphasizing that even connected with loving the Lord and loving one another, our neighbors is this idea of listening, paying attention, 
Listen to the Lord. And that's one of our words for the year. Listen. Now, this word about loving the Lord and loving one another, and that's not a new word for us, right? You know, if I'm squeezed, that message is going to come out. Christ, the church, and the glory of God. Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more, Ephesians 3, immeasurably more than all we can ask or even imagine according to his power that's at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Now, we are one of those generations and we are living to honor the Lord and to bring him glory and that's going to be in our love and devotion to the lord i had somebody come up and give me a just a, a simple word and she said whatever the whatever you're asking the answer is yes and it just it rocked me in the middle of worship just just right then do you ever get just really don't you love being in the presence of god with people I mean, I just, I, I love that. And, and it, what it did was it focused me, Lord, what am I, what, am, what, what? And, and I just finally just said, Lord, it's you. I want you. I, I want to treasure you more than anything else in my life, period. Tears, worship, you know, I want to know you. Let your spirit overwhelm me, take over take over amen Whew, that's good you know so uh what's most important in our lives you know we we are recipients of the greatest news ever the announcement the gospel the good news that jesus has come in the middle of our darkness when we could do nothing to save ourselves and he reached down into our humanity and united himself through the virgin birth the incarnation, and he lived a sanctified life to the Father, only doing exactly what the Father said, and then offered himself on that cross as a representative, as a substitute for us. He died so that we in our flesh could die that death and then be raised with him to new life. It's really good news. He's ascended to the right hand of the Father and poured out the Spirit, and He's returning again in glory to judge the living and the dead. And we've been brought into that good news. All that Jesus was, all that He is, and all that He is will be forever and ever. He's done that, He's doing that, and He will do that for us. It's good, 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 good news. Hallelujah. There's like amens are flying around the room. And we receive what he's done for us. We receive his vision for us. And we align ourselves to the story of God for the glory of God. And uh, man, it's encouraging. Listen, surrender, return to your first love. And be united in the spirit with the people of God and his purposes in this time. It's a beautiful vision. It is a beautiful vision. And you'll never, you'll never get to the end of it, like ever. It's a beautiful vision. I've been kind of gripped this week by a, a story I read by J.R.R. Tolkien. Now, some of you guys not just know him, but you guys are, I, I know there's some serious fans of Tolkien out there. Um, I learned that a few years ago. We were teaching ADS, and I was trying to make this point about 
being together and everybody using their gifts and how Frodo jumped in and, and they were at the gates of Moria and nobody, you know, Gandalf's working and it's not working and then Frodo steps up and reads and like people in the ADF we had six people that knew the elvish word for what it meant and what it was Malon or something like that and they're like jumping you know speak friend and enter you know and and we need friendship the point of that story was we need friends together to do the journey to grow in God that's not the point of what I'm going to say today, but <laughs> I just want to tell that. Um, but Tolkien, he wrote The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings, but he also wrote this little story called Leaf by Niggle. And I was not familiar with this until this week. And um, so I just, I, I think it will connect with you. I'll just give a quick overview here. Niggle, in the story, it's kind of autobiographical. It's a little bit of an allegory about Tolkien's own life, because he he worked really hard for a long, long, long time before he was able to release The Hobbit. Like he wrote an Elvish, he wrote a language that didn't exist. You know, he wrote maps and st stuff, and he, then he, he had to have a map to have the story so he could, you know, he's, he's an artist. So Niggle, in this story, is, is an artist who lives in a land where they don't value art. And he has this vision to, of a tree that he's going to try to paint. And he paints it on multi-panels, multi and it's huge, this big tree. And he's compelled by this vision, but, and he's painting it. And he gets sometimes distracted with, by the leaf, just individual leaves on, the, leaves on the tree. And he would paint even just a leaf sometimes by itself as he was trying to work it out on the big canvas. But Niggle was often distracted and he had people around him that needed his help and care. And his, his neighbor was always needing help. And his wife, the neighbor's wife was always needing help. And so he's serving different people. And he had this other job that he was doing. But he carried this vision in his heart about this beautiful tree. And he knew that he had to go on this journey. So he was kind of getting ready for the journey. But he was getting distracted from this tree. Anybody relate to any of this ever? It's a beautiful vision, you know. But so he finally goes on this journey. And while he's gone, he dies. And so one day he's, he, he's waking up and he's been given a bike. It says for Nickel. And he's riding on this bike through a meadow and he's got a friend there with him and he looks over and he goes, he drops the bike. And he says, it's the tree. That's the tree. But it's, it's the tree as I imagined it, not as I was unable to, to actually paint it. You know, and he was just, you know, it was incredible, beautiful, and connected to that tree behind it was a forest of beautiful trees. And he and his friend got to go in and work that garden and that forest and make it even more beautiful. Think about it. God has a beautiful vision for our lives that's beyond what we can even imagine. And it's his people, it's his bride, it's the temple, it's his body. It's a beautiful vision that, that I mean, I, I'm, I'm trying to express it for years, the little leaf or two that I'm seeing. But together, it's something glorious and grand and beautiful. And together with not just this church, but with the church in the city and with the church in this region and the nation and the nations, God's doing something so beautiful that it's not just a tree, it's a forest and it goes on forever in a beauty and life and love and great grandeur and glory. 
That's what God's doing, this beautiful vision. And even though there's distractions, and we do not see in fullness, none of us do. None of us do. And even anybody that says they do, they don't. But Lord, help us to paint our peace. Help us to paint our peace, Antioch, Fort Worth. So here's the thing. Uh, main thing. Go ahead and flash that. God wants us to join in his beautiful vision for flourishing and family, for human flourishing and family by ordering our lives together in Christ. That's what we're talking about today. So it's a beautiful vision. It's a joyful vision. I've had joy. Just I'm excited to share this vision with you, this uh, story of, of life and um, what God's doing. But it's a counterculture story. There's things that our culture resonates with, and there's times we can go, that's good. We can, that's in the right direction. And there's other times where it's just we have to subvert it because it's going antithetical to the way of God. So it's, it's counter-culture so often. It's counter-self, for sure. And it's definitely counter-selfishness, this ordering our lives together. So uh, let's look at the vision. And you guys know me. If I'm going to start casting vision, where are we going to look? Jesus. That's exactly right. We start with Jesus, with his vision. Now think about this. In the New Testament times, the house, the house is, it's, it's not just the nuclear family. It's, it's the family, it's mom, dad, kids, but it's extended family. It's cousins sometimes, it's brothers and sisters, it's people that are connected different ways, servants and things like that, economically to a house. So there's like a head of the house and there's a lot of people connected in that house in New Testament times. And so what's happening here is that Jesus is the head of a new house. He is head over, this, the vision is that Jesus is the head over a house, the house of God, the temple of God. And it's this, some of this is radical, what I'm about to say. And we don't think about it a lot. But I'm just going to read the words of Jesus. So here we go. This kind of family. And I, I guess where I'm trying to go with th this next little point here is, we think so often in our culture, God, family, work, church, or church work, you know, something like that. But Jesus is painting a picture of God, God's family, and then everything else. So let's listen to Jesus real quick here. Matthew chapter 8, verse 18. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, Foxes hit and dent have dens and birds have nests but the son of man has no place to lay his head and here's where i'm going another disciple said to him lord let me first go and bury my father but jesus told him follow me and let the dead bury their own dead um that's radical if you can imagine like jesus saying that to you like that's that's radical. He's saying, come and follow me. I want you to orient your life to me. Matthew chapter 10, verse 37. 
And he's been talking about this same stuff again throughout this discourse here. But he kind of gets toward the end and he says, anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Again, it's very, uh, it's kind of an upside down way of thinking about things. Then at the end of, Ap- of Matthew chapter 12, verse 46 through 50, while Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. And someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He replied to them, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Okay, so are you catching the, the, this, this paradigm is God and God's family and maybe then our family but there is an ordering of that that it's like we've been brought into a new family that is our primary orientation for life primary orientation for life Jesus is redefining family in the light of himself make sense so I mean if you think about it Passover was like that was totally about family, being with family. You did Passover with your family, and what does Jesus do on the Last Supper? He has the Last Supper, not with his mother and brothers, but with his disciples. And he's defining, like, this, I'm, this is a new relationship with God that's starting right here and now. A new covenant in my blood and in my life. And we're drinking this as family together the last thing jesus prays is father let them be one even as you and i are one in this family relationship let them be one let their love be so clear and bold and bright and visible to the world that the world would then know because of the reality that's going on between the people of god in the reality of love and life and unity and you know i I think that's hard for us to hear sometimes because of, you know, our thing is about my kids or my family or it's not, it just has to be ordered, if that makes sense. There's an ordering that the Lord is wanting to do. It's an incredible vision of humanity together in Christ. Isn't that wild? It's like, it's like a vision. And and when you, as we start to think about it more, it's actually good, good news. Like if you didn't grow up in the perfect family, and that's probably some of us here had some level of dysfunction <laughs> in our families. And so if you didn't grow up in the perfect family, then this is good news. Yeah. If you had some brokenness in your family, then, then this is good news. I was talking with somebody the other day. Was like, he's like, man, I didn't come from a, my family was broken. This is actually good news that I'm a part of God's family. First and foremost, you know, if there's shame back in there, then this is good news um, that Jesus is calling us to be a part of his family. So we start with Jesus in the vision of Jesus for one people in his body. 
that he's head over, a house that he's head over. So then the second part of this vision then is the Acts 2 church. Of just It's a great place to see this. I was super encouraged the other day. I heard that one of our life group leaders has been reading this passage before the start of every life group for a long time. Isn't that encouraging? Acts 2, 42 to 47. Let's read it together. So, Holy Spirit's poured out, all these people responding, being baptized, and this is the community that develops as a result. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions and gave to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. It's good news, man. Like, they were, something happened that so radically changed them, and it changed what they loved. They changed what they were devoted to. It, it brought about a, a change of heart in their lives, and they became devoted to the Lord. And so they were, they were listening to what the apostles were telling them, eyewitness accounts. They devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles, to the breaking of bread, to having meals and sharing communion together and drinking the wine and the breaking the bread and, and remembering the Lord did this for us. The Lord did this for us. He brought us together. We share in fellowship. The word is koinonia. We share. It's a common sharing together of life, fellowship, communion, meals. They, they devoted themselves teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, in prayer, just an ongoing portal of intimacy with the Lord, learning to pray, teaching others to pray, and developing that, that grace and that gift and that all that flows from a life of devotion and prayer together. And we've got other lives, there's other things that we do in our, in, in our lives, but we want to live from this place with this vision of being in awe at what God's doing in our midst of seeing people touched and their lives healed and made right internally and physically and all the different ways that that would happen. It's a beautiful vision. Uh, the house-to-house -house piece in the temple courts, I mean, that's, that's how we started. We, we just want to do Acts 2. Let's just that basic orientation. There's other stuff on our schedules, but man, this is the bread and butter. This is the the foundational organizational stuff that we do as a church is discipleship and house to house and then coming together the life groups there's life here because there's life in those groups and in our lives and in our homes and and in our discipleship uh, we often phrase it and it's back there on the wall right now the five circles of church is me and the lord cultivating intimacy with the lord then twos and threes, where I'm meeting with somebody, where we're talking about the Lord together. How's it going? And discipleship. And then house to house is when we come together in life groups that are not just for us to feel better about ourselves, but they're actually on mission. It's the church at its most core level 
where all the gifts are being used in ways that you can't do that here on a Sunday, but just house to house, and it's multiplying. It's on mission to reproduce. And um, I don't know if anybody needs to hear that. <laughs> that's where we're going. And, and then the, the, the coming together like this, that's the fourth circle. And then fifth is being on mission together. So all of that is just, uh, it's just a big deal. I, I think that some of this is, I read a word from Tyler Statton yesterday, reading his prayer book, and, and he was talking about the Father's love, I think, is what it was. I don't know why I'm out of breath. <laughs> um, um, but the Father's love, or prayer, or church life, it's, you have to discover it. You have to experience it. You know, you can't just read a book I remember when we were starting the church, I had a dry erase board, and I was writing fellowship and Acts 2 on the board. But you can't, it doesn't work that way. You can cast some vision like I'm trying to do here, but you got to actually, you, you got to step into it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's a discovery. I, I like the word he used, discover, you have to discover it yourself. You have to try it on. I can look up at night, and see the moon, and see how, know all kinds of incredible things about it, but Neil Armstrong? Uh, Neil Armstrong knows something that none of us know. He's experienced, you know, it's hard to do less gravitational force on stage, on the earth. You go to a restaurant, and you're trying to be an expert about this restaurant, and you, you've looked at the menu, and you've poured over it. You, you're like almost, memor maybe you've got it memorized. You're really deep into the, the menu uh, items and things. You're looking at other people in the restaurant. You're watching them take the first bite. Oh, mm. And you, you have a commentary about that, about their experience of the food. But if you don't order a dish and, and cut a bite, and put it in your mouth and try it, you, it, it's not the same thing. It's an experiential knowledge. I had a Greek teacher from East Texas, J.C. Davis, uh, years ago, and he was talking about <laughs> this Greek word, gnosko. And I'm, I, almost East Texas starts coming out of my mouth when I just remember him. He's like, man, I'm talking about gnosko. Gnosko. That's experiential knowledge. Not just head knowledge, but it's knowledge that gets into your life. Gnosko. It's like love. You can read about it, but you got to experience it. You know, it's, all, you know, it's years and years and it goes deeper. And so you could, how, do, how do you put into words or in a book what the experience of 36 and a half wonderful years is like. You have to experience it, right? So that's the Acts 2 vision. We're jumping into that. It's God's beautiful vision, and we want to experience it not by sitting back and trying to figure out, hmm, but we actually do it. Actually do it, okay? Everybody good? Okay. The last piece there is the rest of the New Testament. <laughs> Like, this is God's heart. This is God's heart. You know, the, all that unity of the Spirit 
um, all of that is like it's on the pages of the gospel. It's, it, you know, think of unity. Romans was basically written because there was disunity in the church. And so Acts 2, you've got a picture of pretty awesome honeymoon going on. And then you leave everybody together long enough and you figure out, oh, I wish she'd stop talking about her mom or, you know, whatever the thing is. Can I get a witness? <laughs> um, we figure out there's stuff that we have to work through, you know, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, both about unity, sections, factions, you know, in the church and working that stuff out. Uh, Galatians. One table equals the gospel, not two tables. Two tables does not equal the gospel. So it's about unity. One multi-ethnic people together, one table. Ephesians, Galatians, Ephesians, it's about unity. One new humanity. The cross of Jesus Christ brought about one new humanity in his resurrected body. One new humanity. That's about unity. And Ephesians 4, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace, the one Lord, one faith, one baptism, all of the ones. And let's see, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, it's about unity. Make every effort to be like-minded. Take the same attitude as Jesus Christ, who humbled himself and became obedient to the Father, even to death on a cross. You know, and we could literally, you just keep going. There are unity threads in every single letter. First, second, third John, Revelation, Jude, Hebrews, unity. So just huge, just the rest of the New Testament. I, I think about the one another's of the New Testament as well. You know, love one another. How do you do that? You've got to be together. I can't, we can't build one another up, love one another, serve one another care for one another, bring encouraging words to one another if we don't actually get together. And spiritual gifts. It's hard to use spiritual gifts if I'm not connected with other people to release this gift in their lives. I mean, when we come together, one of the best things we can do when we come together as life group is it's not about, anybody ever been to a life group and you were tired before you went and kind of didn't want to go and then were blessed after you got there? Maybe you had that conversation um, that uncomfortable conversation that was an opportunity for shared growth between the two of you just before you stepped in to the life <laughs> otherwise known as a little tension or an argument or something um, and, and yet how many times though does the Lord meet us right there on that night when we're tired and what I'm saying here is I'm making an extended case for these rocks being in the jar you know, how do, we, how do we do this? Well, we share, we share life. Think about it. There's only one life of Jesus. There's only one body. He doesn't have like multiple bodies, Presbyterian body and a, you know, African body and a European body and a Chinese body. He's got one body. So we share his life together. That's our written right into our vision statement. We share our calling. Our vision is to share and multiply the life of Christ in the church through new disciples, new life groups, new congregations to the glory of God and the joy of all peoples. So we share Christ's life together and then we share our lives together. 
We're intentional. We see the importance of it. We order life around doing, doing life together. We move past going to church in order to be the church. Don't you say that one more time? We're, we're moving past an idea of I'm just going to church on a Sunday, but into the reality that we, we live in the Lord. Our life is in the Lord together uh, in community. Uh, this, this next one, I got this phrase. Uh, the third one there is uh, the posture of living independence. Living in dependence. Not independent from one another, but living in dependence on God and independence on one another. Lord, help us in this. This is, this is where our words for the year really come in line with what the Lord is speaking to us. Listen, surrender, surrender. First love, return to your first love in Jesus, if that word is for you. And then walk in the unity of the Spirit together. And I think just practically on the ground, just landing the plane here, is back to the jar. What are the rocks that need to go in the jar over here on the right with regard to ordering our lives together? What rocks need to be in there? Uh, just very practical. And it may be that it's hard to think about it if I'm just kind of trying to stick some more rocks on top of an already full jar. So just gently together in whatever context it makes sense. We're not angry about this, but it is important in the liminal space of this beginning of the year between the old and the new to look at what's most important. That's what we're doing. And I'm trying to paint a picture here of how important this is to God's heart, to, to God's desire for us, to God's uh, desire for us to flourish and to find a family that goes beyond our own vision for our own family, but goes into the depth of God's vision for God's family. And here's a great prayer, just as we're, as we're doing that. Um, a great prayer is, Lord, show us where we're at. Lord, would you show us where we're at? And then maybe even more, more personally, Lord, show me where I'm at. One of the most dramatic things and I've got, got a little time, so I'm going to tell the story, but I was in my office, and I had a guy I was discipling named Brian Brown was there with me, and a, another pastor from uh, east somewhere uh, came over, and, uh, and I was just, I was full of the Lord that I was just filled up. I'd had this incredible time fellowshiping the Lord early that morning, things, and I was sharing things that he was speaking to me. It was just life-giving. You know, it's life-giving when you've got something hot from the Lord. You've got hot bread and not old bread. That you're just, this is what the Lord's spoken to me, and, and, and I'm just lit up. And, but Brian, I didn't know this, but he had started, because this guy looked confused. And Brian had started praying, Lord, show this man where he's at. That was Brian's prayer while I'm talking. And the guy goes, I see you're excited and fired up. And he said, I've been reading the Bible all my life and I don't, I've never heard the Lord speak to me like what he speaks. And I was like, 
And I literally was prompted in that moment to start telling the story of Nicodemus and Jesus at night. Just, that's what, and so I started telling the story and the wind blows wherever it blows. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. We're moved by him. He's leading us. He's speaking. We're listening. That's what Jesus, that's all he did was listen to the father and express that. We're following him, right? And, and so, and I asked the guy, I said, do you want me to keep going? He said, yes, keep going. And I said, well, Jesus said to him, you know, you must be born again. And I got that out of my mouth, and this pastor, who's been a pastor for 15 years at the time, falls down on his knees and starts repenting and calling on the name of Jesus at the top of his lungs. Jesus, save me. I'm so lost. Save me in this moment. I need you. I want this. I want this salvation. I want it in my life now. And I, Brian and I were just praying for him, and we're looking at each other like, oh my, what in the world? You know, the office wasn't big at the time, and you, you know, it's, it's loud. And we pray for him for a while. He gets up and he goes, thank you. Thank you. And he goes on his way rejoicing, you know, like just, it was, and I went into the bathroom and I looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, Lord, what in the world just happened? And, and I think that I'm, the, the, the deal here is we're finishing. That prayer is so important. Lord, Show him where he's at. Lord, show us where we're at. Lord, show me where I'm at so that you can lead me forward. So that I can get the right rocks in the jar. You know, uh, like Tolkien, like Niggle, and like us, God, he, there's so much more that he wants to reveal in our lives than we've yet seen. There, there's always more, more Lord. I was just singing it, more Lord this morning, more Lord, more Lord, more, more. As we're going into world mandate, more. As we're going into 2023, more, more, more free in 2023. More Lord, more, just more of what you've got for us. It's so good. You know, our city, our nation, and our world needs this. They need this, they need this, they, need, they don't necessarily know that they need us bearing witness to Jesus, but that's exactly what the world needs. It's a church lit up, on fire, and pointing to Jesus, who is the Christ, the Son of the living God, declared with power through the resurrection from the dead to be the true King and Lord of the world. That's what, that's what the world needs, uh, is, is us, and, and us bearing witness against the confusion and in the midst of the chaos and in the midst of the fallen systems and sin and all of that stuff. But for us to bear witness like that, the Lord wants us to have the reality right here in our midst. It's not just go do it without being it here. It's not go tell everybody else what needs to happen when we haven't gotten love and unity going here. And he's wanting to do that so that out of the reality, we can then be the light that he's calling us to be. Amen. Uh, let's stand up. Ah, Lord, I love your vision. I love your vision, Lord. I praise you. It's so good. Yeah. Okay, ministry team, come on up. And uh, I just, I believe God's working right now, even this morning. And if there's a yes, I'll just... 
we'll start here. If there's a yes in your heart about this message and the beautiful vision of the Lord, then come and get prayer. If you've got a yes there for more, then we want to pray, Lord, do more. And if there's some kind of a hindrance, some kind of something that's holding you back, then, then you want to get prayer as well. And man, let's just, let's just pray for each other. We've got some time here this morning. Let's just minister to one another and, and share life. And if you have any other kind of prayer need at all, don't, please don't leave without getting so, just somebody close by or somebody up front. Man, just get prayer. Prayer changes things. It changes, it changes the atmosphere. It changes our lives. And God answers prayer. It's like that word that somebody had this morning. Whatever you're praying, the answer is yes. It, it may not always be that way. There's no's and delays and all that kind of stuff. But, but what about this one? Jesus, be the treasure. Would you be the treasure of my life? Would you be the treasure of this community of people? Would you help us live in this in-between space of glorifying you and bearing witness to you and loving one another in a way that honors you? So, yeah, whatever you need is, come and get prayer. Especially on this yes, man. If there's a yes in your heart, let's go for it. Press in. Press in with each other. We need you, Lord. We need you. We're hungry for you, Lord. We're thankful for you. We praise you. Take over this morning, Lord. Have your way in us. Get the hindrances out of the way. Help us to empty the jar. In the name of Jesus.